Well, the last few Sundays in church, we have been thinking in different ways about the appearing, uh, the appearing of God at Christmas time, what it was that appeared. We saw that uh, there had been a mystery for a, a long time, which was revealed with the coming of Jesus. We saw that the glory of God was revealed at Christmas time. And this morning we're going to think of something else which has been revealed. A saviour has been revealed. The uh, angel told uh, the, uh, the shepherds, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now you often hear the word saviour in church, but what does the, the term mean? It's one of these words that we can use often and we don't really think about what it means. A saviour is a deliverer. He is someone who saves people from a a serious, a threatening situation. A saviour is a rescuer. A rescuer. And we read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the passage which Esther read for us earlier, what it was that the saviour rescued us from. The Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And that's our text for today. This is why Jesus appeared in Bethlehem. He appeared to destroy the works of the devil. The baby lying in the manger uh, was about becoming a destroyer. He had come as a hero. He had come as a deliverer. That's what a saviour means. So Christmas isn't about a cute baby. It's nice to hear uh, children singing. It's nice to have a certain amount of cuteness about this time of year. But we need to remember what it's all about. is It's about the coming of a hero, a deliverer to rescue us. I think a lot of the, the, uh, the comics that uh, speak about the superheroes, the Marvel comics and the films and so on, I think sometimes that they may have had the... Uh, story of the, the Bible at the back of their minds, at least it seems to shape it. Who is the greatest superhero of them all? We, we need to count hands for this one. Oh, well, that's a very, very, very good answer. You should be up here. I need to be down there. That's a very, very good answer. Uh, in the comics, who is the greatest superhero? Or who do you think? We'll all have a different view on this one, maybe. Uh huh. Uh, not the one I'm thinking of yet. One of the earliest ones. Yes, that was the answer I was looking for. <laughs> Superman. Superman. And Superman, in some ways, is I hope it's going to help us to think about uh, what's happening at Christmas because Superman came to Earth from a very different uh, planet, didn't he? He came uh, from the, the planet Ka'el, uh, which was being destroyed, it was dying. He was rocketed as an infant into our planet and he was brought up by a poor uh, Kansas couple, a farmer and his wife. And as he grew up and they gave him the name, what was his name? Superman. Ah, yes, yeah, Superman. But what, what did they call him when he was at work? He would call him Joe? Clark Kent, yes, that's right, Clark Kent, and he had amazing powers, and 
he fought on the side of good. Jesus came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all, and he came to be a deliverer. He came to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? That's what we need to know before we understand what Jesus has come to do. The works of the devil. Yeah, Joel? Sin, that's great. That's a really good answer. Let's try and understand what sin is, first of all. And let's go back to the comics briefly. In the comics, you very often have a mad genius, somebody who is going to maybe hack into the computers of the world. Who's this madman here? He's the baddie in the, the Superman comics. Uh, what's his name? Luther Locks. And he, uh, Lex, sorry, uh, Lex Luther. <laughs> one of you definitely needs to be a first <laughs> And he is one of the, the early villains in the Superman comics. And Superman uh, has to save uh, humanity from his efforts to try to destroy uh, people's lives and to make things uh, really bad. The devil, we're told, has come to destroy our lives. And the devil has done that in a number of different ways. He's done it by telling lies. He told lies to the first uh, humans. Uh, he told them that they could find joy, they could find happiness by disobeying God. Uh, you remember when uh, God told Adam and Eve that they were to eat of anything in the tree, of the trees in the Garden of Eden, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The devil comes with his lies and he tells them, well, first of all, he tries to make them doubt what God said, and then he tries to make them believe that God doesn't want the best for them. And he says, look, if you eat that, you will, you'll be like God himself. And so he spins his lies and he tries to lead people astray. And the devil is still doing that. The account in Genesis, it's not just a story, a made-up story, it's a true fact which is still going on today. The devil is still telling us lies. Telling us lies that life is best without God, that we can be happy without worshipping God as we were made. Uh, the devil will tell us all kinds of things. He tells people today, well, you know, if you go to church and worship God, it's boring. You don't want to do that. And people believe that even though they may never have been themselves. They believe the devil's lies. And the devil spoils lives. Uh, he brings anger and rage into families until eventually there's fighting and hurt. Uh, he brings uh, rage uh, into a home where there maybe was peace before. Uh, he breaks up marriages. Uh, he leaves children feeling afraid. And again, he does that by spreading his lies. Uh, his work is like a virus in a computer. You know, if a virus gets into your computer, it will just spread until the whole of the system doesn't work. Everything is, as we say, corrupted in it. Well, the devil spreads his lies in our lives like that. And the result is, just as a computer will crash when the virus in it is spoiling it, the devil will make our lives crash. He makes us like prisoners. He makes it so that we can't stop doing 
wrong things. And one of the ways that he makes this happen, he says, well, it's only once that you're going to do this. And you can stop whenever you want. Only once that you're going to do this. Uh, and so people drink too much and they think it's only once and they end up not being able to stop. People start shouting at one another. And it's only once. It's only just letting off a bit of steam. But they keep on doing it until there's always shouting in the home. People swear once and they find that they can't stop swearing it, swearing at people. It just becomes part of the way they speak. And eventually we feel as though we're prisoners. We can't break the chains. And it's the devil who has tempted us by making us believe that we can do something wrong once, and that's the end of it. But we find that once we've believed him and go his way, we can't stop doing these bad things. And maybe some of us this morning feel just like that. We feel that we're prisoners. We feel that we don't really have freedom. Although we tell people we're free, we don't have freedom because we keep doing the same things again and again. And we think, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just have freedom to live a better life? How can we have that kind of freedom? So the devil spins lies and the devil uh, makes us prisoners and he also makes us afraid because deep down we know that there is a God and one day we'll meet him. And we would be happy to meet him if we were right with him. But we know that we're not right with him and we know that the devil can accuse us and the devil's right to accuse us because we've, we've gone our own way. We've said no to God. And we're afraid, afraid to die and afraid to meet God. Now, if we could only beat this enemy, if there was only someone who could be our hero, if there's only someone who could be our deliverer and destroy the devil and his works. Jesus, Jesus has come to be that. Stuart, that's right. This is why the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus has come. That's what Christmas is about. It's about the coming of the one who would destroy the works of the devil. He's come to set us free. You might have known on the, the news last week there was a terrible incident when people in Australia were kept captive in a coffee shop and some crazy guy had uh, taken out a gun and he had held them captive and he had some of them with their arms against the wall and they were terrified until the Australian police came with their guns and they stormed the cafe and they rescued some of the hostages in that cafe in Sydney I think that the people who were in prison must have been so relieved when they realized that there were deliverers coming to rescue them. The Bible tells us, as we've seen, that we're held as captives by the devil, that the devil is very powerful, that he has us in chains that we can't break, that we're doing his work without even realizing it, and that he makes us fearful but God promises to send a hero. And this is, this is the great 
storyline of the Bible. Right at the beginning, there's a promise that God will send a hero, someone to free us. Even when Adam and Eve had sinned and were told that they would no longer be friends with God, God promised that he would rescue them. And this is how it went. When the devil tempted Adam and Eve, he came in the form of a serpent, a snake, because he was smarter than the rest. And he came and he spun his, his lies and his deceit. But God did not give up on Adam and Eve and the human race. And God said to the serpent that he would send someone who was descended from the woman. And that person would crush the head of the serpent. The serpent would strike the heel of this hero. But the hero would crush the head of the serpent. Now if you're ever in a fight with someone which I hope you're not, but if you were, then you would rather have your heel hit than your head crushed. Someone who gets his head crushed is on the losing side. And the hero will come and will defeat. The devil will come and defeat Satan. How is that going to happen? This is the question that the, a lot of the Old Testament is all about. How is it going to happen? How is God's hero going to crush the head of the serpent? How is he going to free his people? And we learn very quickly uh, in the Old Testament how that's going to happen because Cain and Abel come to offer sacrifices to God. Cain and Abel are the sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain is the one on the left, Abel's the one on the right. And Cain comes to God with sacrifices that God didn't ask him to give. He comes and he offers uh, crops to God. But Abel has something else. He has brought, it's not clear in this picture, but he's brought a lamb from his flock. And he's had to sacrifice that lamb. The lamb has had to die. And God accepts Abel's sacrifice because this is the way he said that he was going to be made right with God. What's going on here? It's telling us that sin is a really serious thing. That our going our own way instead of God's way means that a life has to be given up. And the way that this was represented in the Old Testament was with the sacrificing of an animal. The blood that was shed was blood that pointed to the blood that the hero would give for the sins of others. God the Bible's telling us is holy. He can't say, that's okay. I don't mind people disobeying me. He must punish wrongdoing. If someone kills someone else, they must be punished. If someone steals, they must be punished. If someone tells lies, they must be punished. And we've done that, haven't we? We not have killed somebody, but in different ways. We've taken what was not ours. We've said things which weren't true. And we deserve God's punishment. And because our sin is so serious, it means that the punishment is very serious indeed. And the only way for someone, uh, for, for us to be forgiven, is if somebody else takes our punishment. But no one is good enough except God to take the punishment that we deserve. And so, what has God done? He's come Himself. Jesus has said, I will come, I will be, 
I will be the replacement. I will come and I'll come as a human. I'll come so that I can die. I'll come to take the place of people like you and me who should be punished. I'll go in their place. And that's why the Son of God appeared. He appeared to destroy the works of the devil. He came to crush the devil's head. How glad the shepherds must have been to hear that God was keeping his promise, that they were the people in whose lifetime this hero was going to appear, the one who was going to free them from the devil. And so the angels come and they say to the shepherds in the fields, for you today in David's town, in the town of the great hero of Israel, David who had defeated his enemies, who often freed his people, from the family of David, the Son of God is placing himself into that family. He's coming as your hero. He's coming to set you free. Now, all along in this part of the story, the devil knows what's happening. And the devil is absolutely determined that this uh, serpent crusher, the one who is going to defeat him, will not come into the world. And so when the Wise men come from the, the east. They've been uh, people who were watching the stars with their telescopes because they believed that the stars told them about things that were going to happen. They're told that uh, a king has been born. And this king will be a king not just for Israel, but for the whole world. And so they think, well, kings are born in palaces. And so they go to King Herod in Jerusalem, and they ask him, where is the one who's born to be king? And Herod thinks to himself, I don't want another king. I want to be the only king. And so he, he says to the wise men, once you find out where this king is, come back and tell me so that I can worship also. But does he want to worship him? No. No. He wants to kill him. But the wise men are warned, again, by an angel in a dream, what, devil's, the, what the, the King Herod's plan is. And King Herod is really acting as an agent of the devil, isn't he? He's acting for the serpent. And they don't go back to the palace, but they leave by another route. And Herod is mad. And so he orders something really bad to happen. What does he order? He orders all the children in Bethlehem, two years or under, to be killed. He wants to get rid of the hero. But Joseph and Mary are warned in the dream to flee to <coughs> Egypt and they escape from Herod. But all through Jesus' life, the devil tries to put him off his course of going to the cross because he is afraid of being defeated in that way. And when Jesus goes out into the, the wilderness, the devil comes to him and tempts him and tries to make him not rely on, on God his Father, tries to make him go his own way. And then all through Jesus' life, there are people who come and say, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die in Jerusalem. But Jesus is determined to come and to do what he came to do, to free us. And then in Gethsemane at the very end, when he's bowing in prayer, when he's wrestling with the devil, when he's committing himself to going to the cross, to taking sin, and to 
cancelling out our punishment, Jesus wins that last victory and he rises, he comes off his knees after his praying and he is determined to go into that battle, to go to the cross and to defeat the devil. Now, if you and I had been there, we would have thought that the one who was on the cross was actually the person who was destroyed, the person who was defeated. Because here is someone gasping for breath, dying in the middle of the day. There's darkness comes over the land. People hear Jesus breathing his last. And many thought, he's been defeated. He came to be a king, but he's died on a cross. But what they did not realize was that Jesus in dying was winning because he had taken the place of everyone who ever trusts him so that their punishment would not be counted against them. And the devil's big card was taken from him. The devil can no longer accuse you or me if we're trusting in Jesus because Jesus has taken the punishment for our sin. And the great victory was when Jesus rose from the dead. He, he defeated death. He had borne our sin. He defeated the devil. And he is now alive forevermore. And now the devil has no power over us. The devil can't accuse us and say, You are a liar, a thief. A swearer. You are someone who shouldn't get into heaven. He can't accuse us like that because if we are trusting in Jesus, the great hero, our captain, our deliverer, our savior, if we are trusting him, then our sin has been paid for. And it can't be paid for twice. Jesus paid it all. And so the devil has been destroyed. His work has been destroyed. This is why the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Now that's great news. Fantastic news. But it's only good news for me and you if you believe in him. The angel said, today is born for you a saviour who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds could have said, that's interesting. <laughs> and they could just have got on with their shepherding. But they took action and they went. They believed and they worshipped. And this is how the Christmas story becomes effective in our lives. This is how we know good news to change our lives. We believe that Jesus died for my sin, for your sin. We trust our lives to him, to his keeping. And we worship and we serve him. That's what it means to become a Christian. That's what it means to be saved from our sin. For this reason, the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was a lovely little baby in a manger, but he grew up to be the serpent crusher, the destroyer of the works of the devil. Let's believe in him. Let's have faith in him and follow him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for...
the true meaning of Christmas. We thank you that uh, you sent your Son to deliver us, to make us free. Lord, give us faith, we pray, that we might commit ourselves to his care, to believe that he has taken the blame for our sin, and to walk into freedom with Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. Bless this message to each one of us, Lord, and grant us the faith of little children to believe and respond. For we ask this in Jesus' name. I love the old carols with the old-fashioned language in them, and this is certainly an old carol with old-fashioned language. God rest ye merry gentlemen. <clears throat> You'd have to say you're merry people today. I think you would get away with this uh, in this politically correct day, but uh, <coughs> well-known carol, old tidings of comfort and joy. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing oh. you dismay, for Jesus Christ our Saviour was born upon this day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray, old tidings of comfort and joy. <laughs> 